0: Welcome to the Black Sheep Podcast, brought to you by BBH. I'm your host, writer and performer, Daniela Isaacs. We want to know what it really means to be a black sheep and work out how we can all get a bit better at going against the grain. We're going to be asking some of our favourite black sheep about the rules they've broken to get them where they are today. Black Sheep is a podcast about rules and how to break them. Our guest this week is Roxana Begum. Roxana is a Muay Thai kickboxing world champion. After gaining the highest possible honours that she could within Thai kickboxing, she set her sights on achieving world domination in boxing. Being a woman in those male-dominated sports would be enough to regard Roxana as a black sheep. But her story delves far deeper and requires even more inner strength, determination and rule-breaking. As a young woman from a Bangladeshi Muslim family, Roxana struggled for years to balance her faith and culture with the fast, furious and often brutal sport she fell in love with. She kept it a secret from her family and from her home community for the majority of her career. After suffering with a breakdown and getting a diagnosis of ME while breaking free from an arranged marriage, Roxana made the brave decision to come clean to her community and is now fighting to help other young Muslim women to find their own balance between fitness and faith. Wow, and hello Roxana and thank hi. you so much for being here with us thank today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um As is the nature of the podcast, Mm -hmm. it is all about black sheep. So the first question which we tend to ask most guests is, would you regard yourself as a black sheep?
1: Um... Definitely, because I was, you know, the second eldest in my family. My brother was the shining golden sun that my parents, um, you know, kind of invested all the time and effort into kind of making sure that he's got a successful career ahead of him. So I felt like I was kind of on the, you know, back burner in terms of education, in terms of, you know, just personal hobbies. Um, but I didn't mind because I... I think that gave me time to find my own identity and who I was and growth and just get to know myself. And that allowed me, like I remember, even from the age of 16, I started working. You know, I, I discovered kickboxing at the age of 18. Just beforehand, I, I decided to, you know, find my own path. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew my family came for a very, you know, um, modest kind of, background and a humble background so for me it was always striving for something better and I didn't have to depend on anyone else Um, so yeah being a black sheep enabled me to kind of challenge myself in every single daily kind of as all, all aspects of your life whether it's going and acquiring a job or you know just being a good student being a good daughter everything kind of it just allowed me to fulfill myself in every angle
0: Mm -hmm. I think this might be the perfect place to kick us off with (laughs) what's the first rule that you've broken
1: I would say the first rule that I broke was finding your tribe it's that sense of belonging Um, you know my I struggled with this for a long time in terms of you know am I Muslim? Am I Bangladeshi? Am I British? Am I modern? I'm female. Um, I'm ethnic. I'm petite. There's so many kind of boxes that I could fit into. um, But where do I really belong? Um, And I was trying to Fitting with my peers at school. I was trying to fit in at the kickboxing gym, which, is, which was a very professional middle-class gym. And I've come from a very humble background. Mm. I was the only Asian. I was the only female, one of the very few females in the gym, on top of that being Muslim and petite. So I was always craving for that sense of belonging. But what I discovered was actually... I don't need to belong anywhere I belong in many different spheres of life I am who I am and when you find that inner peace that balance where actually I'm not one thing or the other I can go into a very professional environment and belong there or I can go into a kickboxing gym but it's not trying to kind of label yourself and feeling that community and unity it's actually being open to belonging anywhere and everywhere mm-hmm. um, not limiting because i think when you limit yourself it's that sense of anxiety when you go to a different party or a different office or a different you know you always feel like oh no i'm, I'm slightly nervous because it's starting out all over again because you need to create that community around you but when i discovered actually no I am who I am I'm you know I can fit into any scenarios and it's a little bit like boxing you adapt to any situation we're we're human beings that can adapt Mm. and it's taken that kind of raw element out of you know
0: your being um so yeah I understand mm. eventually coming to the realization that you don't need to find your tribe, but I'm assuming mm. growing up in a tight knit Muslim community. Yes. Am I right in thinking you d- felt like you didn't fit in? They weren't your tribe? Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, growing
1: up because, you know, I was passionate about the sport. I was passionate about so many, you know, I want to be successful, but at the same time, I want to be modern. Um, but I had. Core values that I grew up with, being Muslim, being Bangladeshi, I wanted to initially. I wanted to fit into all of those kind of um, parts of
0: me. And um, what would that have entailed if you did fit into that um, tribe?
1: I guess if I was a traditional Bangladeshi female, I'd be dressed much more modestly, wearing maybe salwar kameez. Um, I would. My food would be different. I mean, even though I do enjoy my culture of food Mm. um being a boxer my diet is completely different um my my weekends would consist of just visiting families and enjoying time with more kind of close-knit family um time whereas what I kind of did was I broke out of that and spent most of my time at the gym because I that's what I was passionate about and how did you do that um oh wow so I remember when I I would wake up every Sunday morning and do all the house chores to keep my mum on side and please her. And then I would ask her very politely if I could just go for a run or to the gym. And then she felt so bad she would allow me to go. But she didn't know that I was doing Thai boxing.
0: And how did you find Thai boxing?
1: Um, I, I've i always been fascinated with martial arts. Right. Since I could read, I would always flick over magazines and newspapers um, and then an opportunity arised at my college where they did an after-school club, just as a one-off session, and I knew I fell in love with it. Mm. It was fast and furious, and it took me. It made me. It allowed me to be present, mm. and I knew I just connected with it. Um, it's just. It is so much more for me. The sport enabled me to kind of learn life skills. And I guess that's the inner conflict that I faced for many years where I was torn between my culture, my upbringing, my values, my family values, my religion, because I felt that I was going against all of those things. Because if you're a traditional Muslim Bangladeshi girl, you don't do, you know, you don't even visit your friends mm-hmm. let alone go to a kickboxing gym where it's male dominated um you know you stay at home you kind of support the family you grow up you get married at a very young age um you have very traditional values from the way you dress the way you speak how you conduct yourself with male you know uh, family members um, how you speak you keep your tone down these are the things that I grew up with um, listening to from my mother um, and there's me all of a sudden exposed to a different world of you know kickboxing where I felt so kind of intrigued by and I took myself to a gym and I was it was a different world it was you know you know there's a lot of professionals people from all walks of life and you know, who were passionate about the same, very very same thing, which was sport and enhancing themselves. So I was exposed to, I felt like I was living a double life. Mm. One where I was a traditional Bangladeshi, very timid, very shy, very obedient Muslim female at home. And I was, you know, I never wanted to upset my family. I had so much respect for them. At the same time, I had this burning desire where I wanted to excel in life, be modern, be forward thinking, think outside the box, um, challenge myself. And it just happened to be the fact that I fell in love with a sport that was, you know, one of the most (laughs) brutal sports in the world and didn't really have hardly an even Western female at the time, let alone someone from my background.
0: The way you're describing it almost feels like your discovery of Muay Thai is like a religious awakening. Uh, Did you feel for a while that you'd found your tribe within that?
1: I felt that I found a passion in life because even in the gym, I had many, many obstacles of you know being muslim being female it was it was tough because you know everyone around me were male mm. so they wouldn't accept you as much or they would you know it was it was very i didn't feel that acceptance for a long time you know um and then eventually when there were more females there was a lot of jealousy within and competitiveness so even then there wasn't a tribe as such it is an individual sport when you're in the ring you're very alone you know you have yourself to rely on your instincts and your intuition that you kind of you know guides you through your challenges and adaptation um and from a very early age, I remember I made that distinction because Mm. my coach said to me many times, Roxana, do you want to retire? Do you want to just, you know, call it a day? Especially after I won my British title. And he said, you know, it's upsetting the other girls in the gym. There's a very big clique. And, you know, they were all Western females and I apparently didn't fit in. So, you know, there was that push for me to retire from my colleagues, from my teammates. But I... I I said to him, you know, I make the distinction between my passion is the sport, the sport are not those people. And I continued persevering through all of that because I fell in love with the sport Mm. and I'm not going to let them take away that passion that I have.
0: Yeah. I'm fascinated by the kind of fragmented sense of identity that you're talking Mm. about, which I understand exactly why your rule is don't find your tribe because you seem to find parts of yourself in different facets of your life I think that might bring us perfectly on to rule two
1: so my rule number two is keep it together um and I guess that goes you know people always assume that you have to be strong, and you have to have it all together. But if you look at most successful successful people, they go through the most darkest hours, and darkest, and deepest, mm-hmm. um, you know, parts of their life, which rises them to stardom, to success, to fulfilment. And it doesn't have to be money or fame or anything. It's it's that self accomplishment. Um, and it's been aware of that when you go for those moments, like I when I went through depression after my arranged marriage had failed, um, and I and the recession has started. I lost my job in architecture. Oh, um, by the way, we
0: missed out the fact that you're also an architect. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I with an architecture alongside yeah, all of this.
1: I mean, I I was on a, such a high after university. You know, got married. I got the job of my dreams I was working for one of the best architectural companies in the country Um, just you know got my degree I was so you know I can't imagine my parents were so proud because they never expected me to even um, attain a degree. Mm. Um, Sorry at
0: this point were you keeping it a secret still from your family in terms of Muay Thai?
1: Yes for five years I kept it a secret they just thought I was just going to the gym for a run or you know just doing a little bit of aerobics perhaps Mm. but um, for five years I would come home with bruises and I'd hide in my room I would do whatever it took to keep my family happy I wouldn't even spend time with my friends because when I found that passion I felt as though nothing else mattered to me I was so happy in my passion that I would compromise on everything else I didn't care for going out I didn't care for like you know, having other um, things that young people were doing at the time, I was just, you know what, I'm grateful that I had that hour a week where I can train, that I was so such a good daughter, Mm. I was so obedient, I would be helpful, I would do everything not to mess up this. But at that
0: time, were you really happy at saying no to the things that you felt you had to say no to, or was it just in a bid to keep it together for a while?
1: Um, I guess I was making the best of my situation. I was trying to keep it together. Um, but what I realised was, yeah, you're right, actually. I was. I was trying to please everyone around me. And then when I came out of that marriage, it all fell apart mm. and I had that anxiety where I was like, Why am I not together? Why don't I know what I want to do with my life right now? Um and that's when I realized the most beautiful thing happened where I used sport as a recovery and a rehab. And I thought, yeah, you're allowed to float around. You're allowed to just not know where you're going right now. At You know, at certain times in your life, you have to trust the universe and mm. not know everything because things will come to you as and when they need to, but you need to be relaxed, step back, reflect and enjoy the process of finding yourself. Um, and I guess I had to reinvent myself when everything fell apart from me, my health, my marriage, my job, my financial situation, going back and living with my parents, you know, I had an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't even know what food I liked or Mm. what colors I liked. I was so broken down and bullied that I lost my sense of identity. Um, The only thing I knew was I loved the sport. So I dived right back into the sport Um, as soon as I could come off the antidepressants. I took myself to the gym and rebuilt myself and rebuilt who I was and who I wanted to become.
0: Do you have a clear moment or memory where you recognise... The kind of turning point where you couldn't keep it together anymore? I don't know in my head, I question whether it was with your ex-partner. Was there just a moment?
1: I guess when I came, so there was a moment where I when I collapsed um, Physically my, collapsed Physically collapsed because I was trying to hold it together in terms of my work, my relationship with my ex-partner and his family and um, You know, it was a culture shock for me. And then my um, just being a good daughter, the expectations that I had as a daughter, sister, daughter-in-law, as a newly qualified trainee architect, there was so much pressure on me to be like exactly what everyone else expected me to be. Um, And then one day, just when I mentally wanted to accept that this is my life, I collapsed on the floor and I started suffering from severe panic attacks. I would go for like 20, 30 panic attacks a day. Mm. So every 15 to 20 minutes, I would have a panic attack. And where were you at home? I was then, I was in hospital and then I went back to my parents because my GP said this is the worst form of panic attacks that she had ever experienced. Mm. Um, And she advised me, she, she looked at me, held my hand and said, can you pick yourself back up? And she said, I would advise you to go back to your parents for two weeks and uh, recuperate. And I didn't realize what she meant, but I knew she she knew that my marriage was over, that I had to refind myself and rebuild myself. And I guess that was the moment where I felt like my whole world collapsed. Mm. Everything that I believed and worked for and was taught had disappeared, like being an traditional muslim all of those things that i held on to and tried to become and just just being someone who's not i i never used to swear i was hard working i studied you know incredibly hard to get to where i have everything just fell apart for mm-hmm. me so i guess that was a moment where i felt like you know you don't need to have it all together because that was the most life-changing moment of my life where it led me to finding my passion mm. in terms of kickboxing and having the courage to confront that situation where it, where it led me to become a world champion. Mm. So.
0: And up to that point, had you been keeping the secret of Muay Thai from your partner as well?
1: Um, no, he was, he was young and he was, you know, he was on the same kind of page with me. He understood that I really liked kickboxing, but as soon as I got married, that was out of the question. For him as well? Not so much for him, but his family because I was, you know, I was told I could be a modern, you know, they accept me as I am. But in reality, that wasn't the case. They expected me to stay at home, cook, help, iron, you know do do all the house chores I felt like a slave mm. and then going to work and then perform and be a career woman mm. so I felt that like they wanted the best of both of us and I just I couldn't physically mentally emotionally cope with the demands that were placed on me because I said to my mother-in-law like if you want me to stay at home and help you then I can do this but I can't do you can't have it all you can't expect me to be a career woman, be successful, um, do those kind of hours, then come home, give you the money, and then, you know, be up till late night cleaning and cooking and washing. It was just, it it just, the, the, the two things could not work. Mm-hmm. It was just un- impossible for me. It
0: sounds like up to this point in your life... Meaning that point where mm. you had the breakdown, yeah. you were almost, and tell me if I'm wrong, but sure. playing the role of a sheep, but with I a was, secret.
1: I was indeed, um, you know, because I never, I didn't know anything better because I was young. I was, you know, brought up with certain values. Um, you know, you don't go for a divorce in our culture. Mm. That was unheard of. Um, I, I guess it's much more common in this modern day and age but 10-15 years ago it was like a scar you don't you you don't you know no one else is going to marry you and it was something that I never imagined myself to you know you make the marriage work at any circumstance and that's how my family was you know that's how what my mother did Mm. um that so that's all I knew but it came to a point where I was so I felt so kind of tortured in a way, mentally and emotionally, that nothing else mattered to me but my, my I had to love myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents were open-minded enough to accept me for who I was. So mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for that.
0: And how did you um, not keep it together to your parents? At what point did you say, I can't do this?
1: Um I guess when I returned home and I went through you know, I don't even remember how not rebellious isn't the correct word, but just letting go and just being free and being able to voice my opinion and just not being afraid of who I was and becoming who I want to become um and i I took baby steps, I guess I was still very considerate of my background and my upbringing but I started letting go of all of those fears that I had and all those kind of conditioned mindsets that I had because I was so broken that I had to reinvent myself and being able to reinvent yourself allowed me to have a complete different perspective. It's a little bit like, I mean, um, I don't know if you know the story of, you know, how, um, is it the owls or um, it's a certain type of bird where they have a choice after 30 years they have to go and kind of completely break their beak and their feathers completely take and they have they increase their life by another 30 years and if they don't do that they die wow um oh, i'm trying. it's not that owl um... we'll find it we'll put it
0: on the notes yeah <laughs> bird studies please
1: yes it's um it's incredible and it just reminds me of that's what my life was. You know, and how old I, were you at that point? I was when I came out of my divorce I was like twenty three. Mm-hmm. So
0: So I know at the beginning we were saying I asked you, have you always been a black sheep? I feel like just from this conversation, it sounds like you embraced your black sheep at the yeah, age of twenty-three. Yeah,
1: definitely. I was accommodating everything that I was led to believe, you know. I was trying to be a traditional Muslim Bangladeshi female, I was trying to be the best daughter-in-law, I was trying to be the Mm -hmm. best wife, and it's all those concepts that i have been brought up, Um, you know, you need to cover up a certain way, you can't travel in that way, you can't have male friends, you can't talk to guys, you can't, you know, there's so many things that I was trying to kind of
0: be, and it was just impossible, Mm -hmm. because... And what was your parents' reaction, like when you told them when you told them i'm a black sheep because i don't want to be in this marriage anymore and actually i've got this secret love affair which is muay thai and i want to be the world champion
1: i guess the fortunate thing for me was when i was when it did eventually come out i was already broken i was so broken that they had no choice but to accept me um because I was going through depression and my doctor, who was Indian at the time, she spoke to my parents and I didn't realise that she had said to my dad, you're going to lose her if you don't allow her to just have a little bit of freedom and she needs to go on holiday, she needs to go to the gym, she needs to do what she needs wants to do now, she needs a little bit of happiness. And I guess at that point, my father had backed off and just said, okay, if she wants to train we won't say yes. We won't say no. We will just allow her to be for the time being. And I guess I took that as a, you know, blessing and a consent that they they gave me the freedom of choice. Um, and as soon as I realized I was training, I started training full time. And I, I, I don't think I ever had a conversation with them. It was more through actions and how they would react to my actions mm. that... If they didn't say anything, I was like, okay, they're not saying anything, which means they are silently giving me their consent. So I wouldn't aggravate the situation. I wouldn't rock the bow, but I knew where to draw the line. So it was never like a full-on conversation with them. However, I did take my mum and my dad to the gym one day. Um, as soon as I could get out of bed, because during the panic attacks, I was bedbound from around three to four months wow. and then as soon as I found my feet I decided to take them to the gym without telling them where I where I'm heading to um and introduce them to my coach and I think at that point they felt so reassured that there could be worse things in my life that I could be pursuing right now um I don't drink I don't do drugs I don't smoke I don't have bad you know influence like friends who are you know negative kind of um Uh, influenced me in a negative way I was just a good girl Mm. who just fell in love with the sport and they realized it was a place of discipline it was a place you know where I felt safe there was many different cultures and religions in that gym and we all kind of you know respected each other's um values and religious beliefs Mm. so my father never said anything to me after that he just kind of Okay, you know, she's gone to the gym. They would never question me. And I guess it's because they didn't want to say no, mm. but they didn't want to say yes either. So they kind of left it unsaid. Do you think they learned anything from you? 100%. My father, my parents have come a long way. Like I look at them now and I think they're completely different. Like I could dress how I want. I mean, I'm respectful when I'm visiting my family. But they know who I am now. They know that I have my own boundaries that will never cross. And they've learned that, you know, you can have your values and, so you know, traditional values and roots and be humble and be successful, Mm. be modern, be be an inspiration, be ambitious. You don't need to compromise on any of those Mm. things um, and just be who you are. And I think they trust me. In my head, I'm
0: fantasizing that you've uh, unleashed the black sheep in your parents as well.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they've grown. And, you know, I look at how, how far they've come in terms of their mentality and their outlook on life. Because, you know, I fought the other day and they were completely fine. My mother even made a prayer for me. Mm. Um, and this was something that I could not ever, you know, 10 years ago, discuss with my mum and say, Mom, can you just, you know, bless me and read a prayer for me? And she did. And for me that was the most, you know, that was the most beautiful moment that I had with my mother.
0: Amazing. <laughs> Ed, Rickson, will you jump us into rule three, please?
1: Stick to what you know. Um, and i feel that this is really this was very important in my life because you know i never stuck to what i knew you know being muslim being Bangladeshi; these are the things that i i've grown up knowing yet i didn't stick to all of this um and in terms of like being a multi-champion, I could have stuck on that road and carried on with my um, accomplishments and become a double world champion. But then I felt like, you know, once you've climbed one mountain, hmm. it's it's much more rewarding on a personal level and on a on on so many levels to start a different mountain because it's challenging, it's stimulating, and it's that growth that will inspire people um and i think that's the real inspiration whether you fail or you succeed it's that journey to the triumph is what
0: makes me fulfilled um just as a total muay thai novice and um, can you just tell me how well is muay thai totally different to boxing and have people done it before this kind of total has, transition
1: it has been done i mean uh there's so many boxers out there who started out with kickboxing, who have transitioned into boxing.
0: But I'm assuming not world champions.
1: Uh, not that I know <laughs> of. Um, but it is completely different. I mean, when I first started, I was slightly naive, thinking, "Yeah, I can punch, I can hit, I'm strong. Um, I already have the boxing." But no, it's a completely different sport in terms of. The rhythm is different, the mentality is different, the range is different, the the distancing and the, the footwork is different, the balance is different, which means the fundamentals are different. So it's taking away w- one system, the hard wire that I've already had, and training my body to a very different system. Um, and in fact, that's harder to do than training yourself when you're a novice, mm. because you don't have you know muscle memory you don't have a default system that your body goes into so for me it's in fact slightly harder because my go-to my default is Thai boxing because I've done it for you know 10 to 15 years whereas boxing is uh, I've only done
0: it for a year in the same way that you're talking about changing from kind of one sport to another I can see the similarities between unpicking your religious upbringing to then kind of throwing yourself in such a different way of life in this kind of sports world. So, do you think there's like a desire within you to just unpick convention in every way?
1: Um, I would say so because this is what thrives and this is what keeps me alive because I'm like, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be. In the mold i want to be able to expand and see what else is out there and really challenge myself and see see who i am because through failure through challenges that's how you get to know who you really are and it's not through success the the, the inner strength comes when you're really at your lowest moment and you can pick yourself back up and that's the real success story for me um when you're going through your deepest and your darkest hours that you can really kind of have that dialogue that inner dialogue with yourself and say actually today's another day and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna seize the moment and really fulfill find that um place of happiness and balance within yourself and it's something that comes from within and not from success because success is different things to different people um there's, it, it's always from within mm. it's always on how you see yourself your perspective your values um and once you fail your life actually is it really a failure because i've learned so much from this it's one step closer to your goal
0: So why do you think people do tell you or have told you along your journey so far, just stick at it, stick at what you know? So from as a child Mm. to then when you're with your coach, when you tell him, you know what, I've I've got to the top of the tree. Why do people do it?
1: I guess people are conditioned to you know believe that when you're good at something this is what you stick at but really you haven't given something else a chance we are designed as human beings to adapt to any situation is fearful we're fearful of change i'm fearful of change you know every time i walk into the ring and i've got a different opponent i'm afraid i'm petrified Mm -hmm. but it's being able to come out in the other end that's what the real this is what life is to me being able to Channel those emotions, channel those fears into something positive. Because I feel that every situation has a positive, uh, positive um, side to it. It's being able to kind of see that, find that and embrace that.
0: And have you been able to find satisfaction in the things that you do know or not even do know but have found success in? So... Because I'm just wondering, why else does someone push themselves to keep giving themselves new markers? Do you, have you managed to kind of, yeah, find success, find satisfaction from your success absolutely, along the way? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It is the journey because the destination is two minutes in your life. You know, when I won that world title, the moment was two minutes when they raised my hands. But the journey took ten to fifteen years, so you need to find a way to love every step towards that journey and it's not really when you get there that you really enjoy it's it's the it's the journey you're going through um it's that it's that happiness it's having a purpose and finding you know um purpose filled life like that's what you're connected to uh what your calling is. Um, and I guess that's what makes me really happy. But there are moments where you have to allow yourself to fall apart and cry and la- let that negative emotion be expanded, like just allow it to flow through because that is part of life. Mm-hmm. You know, there's moments where I've, I don't think it's a sign of weakness. I think it's a sign of growth and inner peace where you can break down. Um, there were so many many times where I, you know, just about, I'm just about to walk into the ring and I would hold my coach's hand. I'm like, I'm I'm petrified. I'm so scared. And look at me like rocks. Are you sure you're going to be okay? But I know I can do it. I know I can do it. But it's that release of emotion doesn't mean you're weak. It's being honest and being, it's allowing yourself to express it. When you hide all of that and build Mm -hmm. it in, it then explodes. But it's having a healthy balance where you know, actually this isn't weakness, but, I will work on it you, because what you want to do is not allow it to consume you, but you need to have healthy releases. Um, and a good example for me is when I, you know, when I went to the gym and there's certain things that I would absolutely hate doing, such as press-ups. But I made that my best friend in terms of, okay, my strengths are my strengths, but my weakness is, could it be my mind? Could it be my, physically I can't do, say, press-ups? then I would spend more time developing those things in order to make it, make myself more
0: wholesome. Mm. Mm. Um, when we chatted earlier on the phone, I was really struck by something you told me about the doctors. When you got diagnosed with mm-hmm. ME, this uh, goes kind of straight in with your rules, stick to what you know. The doctors told you you've got to stop, right? You, yeah. you can't box anymore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um Uh, I was diagnosed with ME in 2010, and I guess it was a combination of things, the breakdown from the the marriage, losing my job, um, not being who I was fully, you know, I was trying to still be people pleaser, Mm. you know, pleasing my parents, pleasing society, my community, um, you know, work. And in fact, I was in denial for the first couple of years. Um, ME, if you don't know, is chronic or chronic or fatigue, where I was in bed for like three to four weeks, especially after a tough exercise session. It's like you've been beaten up in the ring um, and your body, doesn't matter how much you rest, doesn't recover from it. Um and it's something that initially my coach picked up because he could see the difference in me. Those days where I was on fire, and those other days where I couldn't even lift my guard up. I was so exhausted. There was no way I could train. I can't even walk from the station to the gym. I'd mm. I'd you know break out in cold sweat, um, and I thought I just had the flu all the time. Um, hence, you know, the specialist stepped in. They diagnosed me with ME. Um, And the doctor said, I can't do anything that would exert myself. Um, And I I just didn't want to conform to that lifestyle. I just believed that there has to be a way around it. And what I did was, uh, you know, I was fortunate that my coach understood. But everyone around me, or training partners, everyone would say I was lazy. I was, you know, uh, you know, I was just being lazy and they couldn't understand what i was going through always that it's mental yeah you know constantly being told "Oh, you're mentally weak that's why you're not training harder and it was never the it was never the case it was it was a debilitating illness Mm. um and i eventually became so well versed with it that i knew exactly how to train my body my mind Um, my recovery was much more important than my actual training so if i trained it would be more about strategy and intelligence train smarter rather than harder Um, not going all out i would train 30 to 40 percent not even 50 because i know i'd be exhausted and then i'd have to recover for two weeks in bed so it's holding back and in fact i was very challenging for an athlete like myself because i'm competitive i want to see what i'm capable of so even prior to fights i would leave it up until the day of the fight to really see what i'm made of and after that if i collapse i collapse but i would have to hold back in training for months and weeks um, and have design a program that works perfectly in sync with how my body is functioning. And this is something that I had to analyze on a day-to-day basis and have conversations with my coach. Who would there are certain days he would see me and be like, Rox, you're not training, go home. And it was a daily struggle, um, you know, eating right, sleeping, recovery, mm-hmm. staying away from stress. My whole life became just a couple of hours of training and like many hours of recovery.
0: Um, God I'm in uh, like a <laughs> in awe black sheep to another black sheep You're amazing It feels like up to at 23 you embraced your black sheep And then after that mm. these kind of years sound like this is your time to refine oh, yeah. the art of being a black sheep It was
1: incredibly
0: hard <laughs> um, um, Rox will you, I'm now calling you Rox because yep. I want to be your friend um, <laughs> Can you tell me the one rule you will never break
1: one rule i would never break is selling my soul because i feel like then you lose who you are and it's important to know who you are um you know we all have weaknesses we all have insecurities and you know strengths and things that are we that we thrive on and we strive for and that's great um but having that identity um and not crossing certain lines it gives you a sense of empowerment, um, and that's something that would never cross. Because Have I've, you ever
0: been tempted? Um,
1: I, I think there's there's been a lot of discussions in my head where I've had to weigh out the good and the bad. It's it's almost like you know you you have that inner dialogue and inner conflict where you're like, I really want to do this. I remember once a woman's health magazine came to me and they said, we want you to do um, a nude artistic shoot with some of the alias and i thought oh my god this would be fantastic in terms of my profile you know women's health magazine's huge and this was many years ago now and um when i was initially starting out but i knew it went against my values mm. it doesn't matter how tasteful the pictures are and how artistic i knew it went against my values mm. um so i had to turn it down but i feel as though there's always around there is always a way around it how you can feel that you can meet the both worlds. And I remember Woman's Health then later on came back to me and said, can you do a fashion shoot for us? Which is, which I was more than happy to do, but I never have any regrets, but there are temptations. Of course there are, because you, you know, on one hand you want to be, um, empowered and successful and ambitious and change the game. Mm. But on the other hand, you don't want to cross certain lines. Um, and once you know what your lines are, you need to constantly, this is actually, this is a daily struggle. You need to constantly keep your ego in check Mm. and keep yourself humble because as you progress in life, you may forget certain things. You may forget, you know, your roots or your, the things that made you who you are. So you're having to refine yourself constantly on a daily basis and, um, just keeping yourself in check you you just never give up hope you know that i think that's the biggest thing that i have is have faith and have hope because that that attracts things into your life and people into your life that will support you there's always an ally there are enemies but there's always an ally in your life and you just need to find
0: that that was my Jewish faith coming out <laughs> you've <babe>, inspired me <laughs> um, thank you so much Rox. You, you are um, an incredibly robust and inspiring uh, black sheep thank, thank, thank you, you. <laughs>